Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Do you dream of creating picture books that will change a child's life? Learn how to write the story only you can tell at this year's Picture Book Summit. Join John Klassen, Juji Morales, agents, editors, and more on October 2nd, 2021. Visit picturebooksummit.com to register. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirstie. I think my lucky stars were doing the summer book club. I feel the same way. And that's a great segue to this week's pick, What Miss Mitchell Saw by Haley Barrett and Diana Sudika. Yes, this book is fabulous for the five following reasons. First, the powerful opening. It grabs you and makes you want to turn the page. Second, it's an engaging and informative picture book bio. One of my favorite kinds of books. Yeah. <laughs> the third fabulous thing about this book is the powerful last line. I won't give it away, but trust us, it's fabulous. Totally. Our fourth fabulous thing is the stellar art. I get it. I see what you did there. <laughs> stellar. Love it. And last but not least, the thread of the names that builds throughout the book is pretty fabulous. When you read it, you'll know what we mean. So what do you think is fabulous about this book? Make sure to tell us on social media with the hashtag PBL Summer Book Club. Happy, Happy reading! Although we don't have new interviews this summer, we'll be replaying some of our most listened to episodes. Enjoy this PBL replay. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, Kim. Penny, for your thoughts? I'm just thinking about today's book, Let Liberty Rise by Hannah Stiefel and illustrated by Chuck Gronick, which is the story of how school children gave their pennies to fund the pedestal for the Statue of Liberty. I love everything about this book. I know. I do too. <laughs> the art is so detailed and lovely. It just makes me want to linger on each page. We're excited to talk with Hannah, Chuck, and their editor, Diane Hess, about the creative process behind Let Liberty Rise. Let's talk. So, Hannah, we're going to start with you. Unknown stories from history like this one completely captivate me. So where did you first learn about the pedestal fund collection for the Statue of Liberty? I invited some old friends from Scholastic over to my house for Friday night dinner. 
around the table. We were talking about what we're working on. And my friend Jackie Glasgow mentioned that she had published a middle grade novel called Liberty on 23rd Street. And the backstory was this amazing story about the Statue of Liberty and the true story of how school children gave their pennies to help build it. Oh, wow. And my mind was blown. I live 15 minutes away from the Statue of Liberty and my family were immigrants. And I never knew this story about the Statue of Liberty. And I said to Jackie, you know, this has to be a picture book. So we went exploring together. We ended up meeting at the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island to go to the library and researching together. And it was actually a gift from her to me because she told me the story and we had started working on it together. And very tragically, she got sick and she passed away. So the book is actually dedicated to her memory. Wow. So I'm really, really thrilled and honored that the book is coming out into the world. That's a special gift for sure. Wow. Wow. So Diane, what was it about this story that made you want to acquire it? It was really love at first sight. Like I saw this book, I read the text. It was just so beautifully written. It's child friendly. Hannah said she had worked at Scholastic and she really understands how to be immediate and speak to children. Also, I love history and there's so much quirky information. It was a story I had never heard before. Also, I come from an immigrant family as well. I know that feeling of seeing the Statue of Liberty when you first come. I had that experience the first time I was on a boat going by and just had that moment of understanding how important it is. And what I really love also is the theme of people working together. When people work together, how you can really make great things happen. And at the time I signed it up, it really resonated with me. But now I feel like in the world we're in, it's probably the most important message out there now. (laughs) It's so powerful. What was your illustration selection process like? We looked at tons of artists and we saw from Chuck's portfolio, there was a piece of Benjamin Franklin. The statue at night was Benjamin Franklin reading a book. It looked like it might have been Boston or something. And it had a very historic feeling to it. And it had the exact feeling that we wanted the book to have, which it does. It has that kind of same warmth and immediacy yes. and beauty. It really is beautiful. So Chuck, what was it about this project that made you want to say yes to working on it? It was such an healing story in American history. Like as an immigrant myself, it was hard to say no to that. It was a very simple decision, really. I was just, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, It was really exciting in the acquisition process for me because we had a little bidding war going on with another house. Yeah, so Diane made a lovely offer and a two-book deal and threw in some other sweet little things in the package. Lovely. Hey, Diane, you don't know this, but when you acquired the book, I sat down and cried. (laughs) So thrilling that it's finally coming out into the world. It is so thrilling. That's a lovely story. So Hannah, we would love to take a look into your writing process for this story. You wrote great lines like, the world would print the name of every person who donated to the pedestal fund, no matter how small the sum or how small the person. Wow. That's one of my favorite lines. I love that. First, a book like this starts with research, of course. I've written a lot of nonfiction. And this is my first narrative nonfiction. I've written a lot of like weird animal books, (laughs) like animal zombies. And that's very different from finding a narrative arc. So I started with the research. I read literally everything I can get my hands on. When I took that 
ferry to Ellis Island, there's a library there called the Bob Hope Memorial Library that's dedicated entirely to research on the Statue of Liberty. And so I got lots of articles from there. And then I went to the New York Public Library. I went to the New York Public because I wanted to find the original articles from the New York world showing Pilsner printing the names of children that donated to the pedestal fund. So they're not available on newspaper.com. I went and found microfilm. I managed to get like some really nice screenshots and it was just very exciting. And then you're sitting on piles of research and what to do with it. So I wrote a story and it needed a critique. And there's a little irony here that I had sent it to an author. Um, I had won a critique with Miranda Paul and she's a wonderful, wonderful author. And she gave me the best advice. I had written many drafts. She said, find your one through line, your thread. Just tell your story. Like, what's your story? And the heart of the story is the children. Pulitzer and the children giving their pennies. When that became my story, it started to flow. Ironically, Miranda then became an agent last year and I became one of her first clients. So we Yes, I love that. She taught me so much about story and the narrative arc. And that was really essential to this. Because like I said, this is my first narrative nonfiction. Yeah. Well, you nailed it on your first try. You did. You did. <laughs> it's like more like 50 tries. So, so well done. So powerful. Thank you. That's wonderful. Diane, can you give us a look into what it was like editing this story? It was in very good shape. I have to say when I got it, it was really pretty there. But what I always do is I make a dummy. I make a type dummy and cut the pages so I can see how the page turns are working. And I kind of go over and over that, make sure that there's good page turns, that the visuals that we're going to see are going to make sense. I can see how much text there is, where we need to cut, because if this is a scene and there's tons of text on a spread, you have to sort of cut back on that. And I think I worked with Hannah on doing some tweaks and asking a few questions. Actually, at that point, we were ready to find the artist. So when Chuck got it, it was already, it was paged out for him. And then we let the artist, you know, repage it if things don't work. And then we just go over it and over it as the sketches come in. We continue to look at it. And, you know, if there's something going on in the art that's in the text that's redundant, we cut it back. We want it as fair as possible. It's like poetry where you don't want any extra words. And, you know, we see sketches and then we see more developed art so that, you know, things keep happening. It's kind of a work in progress and it's a lot living. But I think what was probably the most difficult part of of the process was the fact-checking that went on. You know, when I first got it, I was like, oh, cute story, build a Statue of Liberty, collect money, (laughs) you know, and celebrate. And from the time it was conceived and then they had the idea and then in France they had to get the money to get it and there was all kinds of politics involved and then they had to like keep building it and rebuilding it and, you know, building it to size and then they were like sending pieces over to America to get people excited and then they had, you know, there was just constant fundraising and everything was just constantly, constantly checked and rechecked because you don't want to make a mistake. Wow. It was all worth it. Yes. (laughs) So speaking of research, I'm assuming that you had to do a lot of research, Chuck, when you were working on the illustrations. Your art has so much depth and detail. Well, and it's funny because when you read it, like automatically you start picturing things. And then as you start researching, you're going to have to like constantly recalibrate everything that you think is going to, how it should look. So 
I think Diane pointed me to this. When the statue arrived in New York Harbor, it had to be offloaded. And I'm pretty sure in my first sketch, I think I just drew a wooden crane, imagining, yeah, that's what a 19th century crane <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, that turned out to be completely incorrect because they offloaded it through some kind of, like, crane barge onto small ships that went to the island. Oh, wow. Interesting. I don't know. As a kid, I just thought the Statue of Liberty arrived whole. <laughs> yeah, I thought too. <laughs> 150 pieces, like a puzzle. And I think I had a draft that started with like her eye peeking through the crate. You know, I loved that idea that she was put together by people, like riveted together around a crate. Well, my one sort of conceit to kind of like a sort of cartoony version of history is showing the shit with like, bulging with crates when of course it would have just been packed in the in the hold of the ship <laughs> but so, i think it's one of those things where you're going to have to give your audience something yeah like, absolutely if the well, ship is loaded with crates you want to see crates <laughs> definitely yeah you have a lot of new yorkers in this story so how do you create so many people and keep them unique uh, Library of Congress is very helpful. The <laughs> New York Public Library. I just went through lots of photo archives. Okay. Of period. And we also like wanted to include people of color, but we needed to be accurate because we weren't sure who lived yeah. in New York in the late 1800s. And we got census numbers for that. Huh. Nice. You look, there's a parade at the end celebrating the inauguration. There was actually an African-American marching band that were involved in the inauguration, which I thought was just a lovely detail that Chuck included. (laughs) And the research part is a lot of the fun, also because you find out things you wouldn't have expected. So there's a drawing of a bunch of characters standing in line to put something in the mail. Mailbox. Oh, let's check an actual mailbox. And they had these very fun mailboxes in the 19th century that were also streetlights. Out of the research, you get a lot more interesting things. Well, your art is gorgeous. Well done. Well, thank you. We have one more question for each of you, and we want to start with you, Chuck, actually. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? Well, I hope that they learn, that it gives them an idea, like, history wasn't just those guys you probably, whose names you probably knew already, and that it was more than just boring old white men <laughs> like they're, they're, <laughs> that it was children that it was people of color that this country is those people hmm. thank you that's wonderful that diane we'll go to you next when someone reads this book what do you hope they feel or learn one of the things i hope that they come away with the pride of living in america and having the statue that welcomes strangers And also the theme of working together. I just think in our current time in the world that we live in now, working together is just the most important thing. Our world is not going to make it unless we all work together. And I think that's the heart of this book. And I think it's the gift that we're leaving. I hope that we're leaving for kids to just forget everything and just work together. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. So important. Okay, Hannah. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? And now I'm getting emotional, Diane. <laughs> There's a page in the book where a little girl sends in 60 cents 
And she said, I wish I could make it $60,000, but drops make an ocean. The message there is to empower children. Their little contributions, whatever it is, as small as a penny, can make a huge lasting difference and they matter. A big thank you to Hannah, Chuck, and Diane for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Let Liberty Rise. Check out the show notes to learn more about Hannah and Chuck and their fabulous books. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode, and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening, and happy Happy looking! looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirstie Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.